0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
2: All right, let's get back
1: to some boring subjects. Understand the risks to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at
0: wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Uh, Joining me this episode is Harry Price. This is episode 310 on August 28, 2018. We're going to be talking about the South African land crisis, and we're going to be talking about 3D gun printer Cody Wilson and why he's my new man crush. That is coming up here in just one moment on We Are Libertarians. Warning this show is for adults, produced by semi adults, so the language is
3: sometimes strong and offensive.
0: Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has
1: been lie after lie. We
0: toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Welcome to the show everybody. Still getting used to all the technology, Harry. <laughs> it's still surprising. It, it is. It's it's all this uh, you know, production and everything's like nice and sounds professional. I'm not used to it. It, it yeah, it is weird or to some of the OG wall listeners, oh, it sounds like first season but better and crisper.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the uh well, back when we you didn't know any better when we played Light, like like non licensed music, <laughs> you're not supposed to do. <laughs> I know. Welcome to We're Libertarians again. Uh, my name is Chris Spangle. That is Harry Price. Harry, how are you today? Going good, going good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, I had a I had a good day. Got a lot done. I'm happy to be here. Excited to be here. It, I'm not stressed out, thanks to our new prep staff. Which I may—I don't know that I mentioned here, but I mentioned on the Chris Spangle show. Um, I recruited some people to help me do some show prep and do some research. So if you want to join the research team, send me a note at editor at libertarians dot com. And like Hody tonight was an all star, and and a couple of these guys have like r- helped me a lot because now that I'm putting out you know eight to ten segments a week. Um, you know, if you love We Are Libertarians, then go and listen to the Chris Spangle Show. Get it in your podcatcher. Get it at We dot com. Because I'm doing twenty minutes, twenty thirty extra minutes a day now for there for that. Uh, so drive in with me in the wor- uh, at the work time. I post it by nine at night, and then you can uh, listen to my smooth vocal cords on your way into work and get the news because there's just too much going on. Yeah, it's too much,
4: and it's nice being stuck in traffic with Spangle. You know, listen to him. It's like he's sitting right next to me, even though I just left him the night before. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> we don't live together. No. What you meant is, you know, tomorrow you'll be driving in, so. Which,
4: which I recommended. I try to get Spangle at one time to move into my basement because like, I
0: could get a gig, he could have a studio in the basement, but, you know. My mom tried me to get to move. Uh, she asked me this week to move the studio into her basement. Which, I'll be honest, it's it's got an office, and then it's got a big, long room, and then it's got a storage room. It's mm-hmm. like, it'd be perfect. But it's, you know, it's 30 minutes from here, and it's in my mom's basement, and I didn't feel like... Pure she, libertarian. She doesn't want us coming into her place, you know, twice a week. She's like, oh, I wouldn't mind. I like the company. I'm like, mm, wait until you see the company I keep.
4: <laughs> um, so. And, uh, you know, you do that, and James needs to be there every day.
0: I just feel like doing a libertarian podcast from my mom's basement is not a good idea. It's pure. It's pure. <laughs> right. No
4: one could tell you you wasn't a real libertarian at that point. That's Nobody. Right. That's that was, right. Who are we kidding? They would. <laughs> they still would.
0: I mean, but that free rent. So, yeah. You know, because rent is theft, right, Harry? Yeah,
4: rent is theft. And uh, I'm glad that's spreading now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: The, I know it's uh, whatever. If you if if you didn't hear my conversation with Reinhold, that's because you're a Patreon. You're not a Patreon listener, and you can hear my 40 uh, minute conversation with Reinhold about what's going on in the Libertarian Party and the latest updates on the kerfuffle. We recorded that I think Saturday or Sunday night, and uh, so that's up there for our Patreon listeners. And you can get all the bonus content if you are a five dollar a month Patreon subscriber or up. So please check that out. Um, and you can get all kinds of cool bonus content. Yeah, we've got all kinds of great stuff happening in the We Are Libertarians world. Is, is Are you doing low-key wall at all?
4: I did not get to it these last few weeks
0: uh, it's because I've been having Gunther issues. Uh, yeah. Now, to be clear, Gunther is your child. Correct. Gunther yeah. is not your butthole. No, yeah. Gunther
4: is my daughter. Um, I'm
0: having issues with my Gunther. Yeah.
4: Gunther the um last week um right before i was getting ready to go on air i was trying to get her to go to sleep i just hang out with her she proceeded to puke on everything oh no it was awful <laughs>
0: I, I used to have that problem with gold yeah
4: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Yeah. You know. i think we're up so up.
0: <laughs> i know you listen to episode 25 and he's just throwing up everywhere yeah tantruming <laughs>
4: It was just like it's worse because like she's got it all on herself, and then you're like, oh, she looks at you like hug, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) bath. That's what you get. You get a bath. Yeah. So I've dealt with that. It just seems so. Hopefully, I can do it tomorrow. The prep is all done. I just have to record. I just have to hope that nine o'clock happens. Right. Come through to sleep, and I can just press record. That's the goal.
0: That, that's why I can do what I do and put out the volume that I do is because I don't have kids. Yeah. And I, and I don't have a wife. Mm-hmm. So I really don't have responsibilities other than to the listeners of We Are Libertarians and my, my work, my work, uh, my employer. Uh, that was a real, my work, <laughs> my work, my, my employer. <laughs> 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 but uh, uh, so. That's great.
4: That's how everyone knows. Everyone that listens to this show is family.
0: This is my baby. You're mm-hmm. all my children. And I'm your daddy, so call me daddy, please. Uh, all right, on to the crisis in South Africa. So, special thanks again to Hody Johns for putting on the research. Uh, th- did a great job in helping prepare this, and, and uh, yeah, he spent an hour or so looking up information and putting it into a cool prep doc, and so that's how, uh, if if you're interested in joining, then editor at WeAreLibertarians.com. We've got about 10 researchers now for the show. Instead of arguing with socialists on Facebook, then it'd be great if you could help... Actually be productive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. put that time, energy, and effort into helping prepare this audience of tens of thousands of people. Yeah. And the other
4: bonus, you get to educate yourself on a topic. That's exactly right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Hody, Hody went into it, like I went into this topic thinking there's white genocide going on in South Africa. Yeah. And, you know, you read Trump's tweet and it's basically like... Uh, there's mass mass uh, land being stolen, whites are being killed, and its genocide is happening. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. As mo- as with most Donald Trump tweets, that that isn't exactly what happened. But he did put it on a spotlight that that it hadn't. This South African crisis has been kind of bubbling under the radar on, you know, sort of the alt right, the Alex Jones world, the uh, in, into some of the new right. And uh, all the way, you know, people like Lauren Southern, for instance, have been doing documentaries on new, on YouTube about it, which I watched, and it was fine. And it's there's some really interesting um, information in it, but the premise, according to what is actually what what you can kind of find in terms of statistics, it seems pretty flawed. So, do you know anything about what's going on in South Africa?
4: Yeah, I've mostly just looked at. Honestly, I haven't looked at the South African farmer crisis since with 2012. That's how long this farmer violence has been going on. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been going on for decades. See, I did not know that. Yeah. It's like, that's what it was kind of weird. Like, so, when I first saw the tweet, I go, like, yeah, thanks for putting attention to this. This has been going on. I don't know about the race thing, but. You Know this has been going on for a long time, right? Well, just violence in South Africa, period, but yeah, direction directed just towards farmers and landowners mostly.
0: Okay, so what's, let's talk about the crisis. Um, and why is this crisis happening? And in, in really one word, it's colonialism. Mm-hmm. Um, you have whites moving now, some people are some people in South Africa. Um, claim that certain parts of Africa that are now being held by white landowners were never occupied by tribal uh, black tribesmen at all. And they went in and they homesteaded it, mm-hmm. and so now they're wrongly being persecuted. And then others claim that this was all tribal land and that whites came in and basically settled over, over the course of the colonial era in South Africa, mainly the, the Boers. And, and the English and the Dutch and, and everybody. So, they, the definition of colonialism accurately sums up the story of Africa's, South Africa's history when it states that colonialism is the policy or practice of acquiring full or partial political control over another country, occupying it with settlers, and exploiting it economically. And by that definition there is no doubt that that's what happened to most African countries and to to a large extent South American countries over the past, you know, 600 years I would say. That's uh, fair. Yeah.
4: If you well like for uh, Europeans and then the middle, um, a lot of the tribes in the Middle East came before that also. Right. Go ahead. I was just going to say like because like just like Europe had their dark ages Africa also went to the dark ages and they got invaded by a lot of the middle east and that's you know destroyed a lot of different things and they were trying to recover from that
0: and yeah so sorry that's all No you you're good So while you know the the colonial argument has gone on forever uh the law that actually took the land and codified it into law is only about 100 years old it's it's this is from Bloomberg yeah. Under the rule of European colonialists, uh, South Africa's Native Lands Act of 1913 stripped most black people of their right to own property, a policy reinforced decades later by the National Party and its system of apartheid, or apartness. A government land audit released in February showed that farms and agricultural holdings comprised 97% of the 121.9 million hectares of the nation's area. So... Farms and agricultural holdings are 97% of the land in South Africa. So it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lot of land. And that whites own 72% of the 37 million hectares held by individuals. This tallies with the results of a separate audit released November 1st by the Development Solutions and farm lobby group AGRISA, which found non-whites own 27% of the nation's farmland compared with 14% in 1994. And uh, from The Independent, according to official data, black South Africans directly own just 1.2% of the country's rural land. White South Africans own 23%, while the remainder is held by private enterprise. A survey by City Press in 2017 suggested that when those private enterprises are taken into account, the arable land owned by white people rises to 73%. So it's clearly an overwhelming majority of the land is owned by whites mm-hmm. in a country that is largely African, well African American and Harry <laughs> um, <laughs> and black. Um, so y- there has been obviously progress over the last twenty four years, but uh, people have been able to see the. The suffering that's gone on, and uh, it's it's worth quickly examining the difference in the plight between the descendants of natives in South Africa and the descendants of slaves here in the U.S. Black people in America are still catching up socially, and there's still some ironing out that's been done in the last century. Be that as as it may, a black person here can still work hard, overcome adversity by the power of community and willpower, and catch up and surpass someone who has a heritage of superiority over their heritage. That's written by Hody, our researcher. Now... Um, if if you look at the timelines, you know, we're we're really talking about, obviously, black Americans in the South. Obviously, there were large percentages of blacks in the North who were free, but still faced a lot of uh, racial oppression, uh, even up until the 70s. -hmm. You know, the the 70s, it, it seems like was probably the best time to be a black person in America because you had the civil rights era and you had a lessening and you had more freedom. And then all of a sudden, the drug war starts in the 80s. And that completely decimates the black community here in America, uh, and and obviously not in every case. I mean, the, we're making sweeping general, general generalizations here. Thank you, but um, compared to South Africa, where really apartheid wasn't open up until the mid nineties, nineteen ninety four, I believe. So, so obviously. Uh, Black Americans have had a longer period of time of readjustment, mm-hmm. but there still is, obviously, if you if you look at the state of the black community in a large portion of areas where they make up a percentage, for instance, in inner cities like Chicago, mm-hmm. there, it's still a very difficult position for black Americans to be in.
4: Correct, yes. Um, a lot of it comes from different um, systematic things that are just uh, trail-overs from the... Um, uh, Jim Crow. Yeah, Jim Crow, thank you. The Jim Crow era, like a lot of licensings, why it's, it's so hard. To start. They made it so hard to start businesses. So, like, the government licensing for different businesses. Um, the other one is just with education um, and the way that the public school system has been wrecked. And the other thing is just um, economic and economic policies um, from... Good and well-meaning liberals holding back minority communities inside of his inner cities. Give give me an example. The idea of the um, what everyone likes to go for is like the welfare state, stuff like that. It's the it's the idea that. Um, the government will provide if you cannot provide yourself. It's a great noble cause that some people are willing to help out in charity. But right. this enforced forced charity has no teeth mechanisms to it. So right. if you abuse this system, or if you willingly get on this system, like if it was from a church or something like that, they would, you know, there'd be someone there to like, no, no, you're abusing the system, or no, you willfully did this to get on said system and you're gaming the system. There's no real. In a church, they have like mechanism to go after that because it's you know they're voluntary doing this. The welfare system and the government don't have that type of system, so you have that. So you have uh, the community basically having the man took, taken out of the household, splitting up the black family to allow for these welfare programs to come into and making it. Hard to get off that because if a man did come back into the in the life and get back in the, into the family, if they didn't make enough, the welfare dollars were more or slightly more. On the other hand, than the black man could bring into so breaking up the family. And as we know, one of the key factors to, you know, not be poor in America is, you know, two family, two parent household, you know, finish high school, you know, and have kids once you're married. You know these fact, these key factors here that you know they're very simple, very straightforward, but these help you know keep families out of poverty. And it seems like each one of these, you know, foundations of like basically the American family or or just human society of households are just being attacked by um, unintended consequences of these well-meaning liberals.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And in Africa, I'm sure that is it is even tougher. I mean, now that um, you know, when you when you really think about it, in terms of history, 1994 is is only 21. You know, you, you're talking yeah. about if you're born in 1998, you're 20 now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. So we're not talking. Uh, we're talking a couple decades, and mm-hmm. then you know, and just in America, in the way that over the long, you know, and so when people talk about white privilege. I I, I, I've been so excited to do the shows this week and and I had a conversation with somebody who is who was arrested as a teenager recently a very young person Mm -hmm. and this person was you know from a very white bread you know middle class family just Mm. and, and I think those of us who are in in the suburbs, in your average city in America, are totally disconnected from what life is like from true poor people in Correct. this country. Correct. Uh, you know, and, and it's not that, you know, like you, you just got your job, but you had a period where you didn't have a job mm-hmm. o- over the last year and, it, you know, you didn't have money, but you wouldn't qualify yourself as a poor person, right? Correct. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so there, there are those times where, yeah, you're a little light, but you aren't living in poverty. You know, I've never had much money, but I've never been living in poverty. You know, I always had a nice TV. I wasn't. I, I. I found ways to make it right. Um, and this person. Uh, you know, it was it was a underage drinking thing, basically. You know, and three cops show up and they start screaming like psychopaths at this teenage girl who's weeping because mm-hmm. she's. She's terrified because she's been told by DARE officers her entire life, you know, if you do, if you break the law, if you do drugs, you're going to... Your life these, will be ruined. Your life is ruined these horrible experiences. So, mm-hmm. you know, the whole time she's at county, she's, why are you crying? You're an adult. Quit acting like a baby. It's like, well, maybe if you hadn't been conditioning her for 20 years, that this was the worst thing that will ever happen to her, she wouldn't be weeping after you failed 14, after you failed to administer a breathalyzer test. Mm. and the, the then you bamboozle her into giving her blood over you know i, I mean it's <sighs> because people don't know their rights correct and and every single step of this process including the court and you know the police officers are yelling at her the she gets no time to call her her parents her lawyer or anybody she doesn't even get offered a lawyer she there's just been this complete dehumanization mm-hmm. at, from the police the nurses the court system and then you know the
4: nurse took blood from her while she was intoxicated
0: yeah yeah. (sighs) right yeah it's it's a whole situation
4: you can't get sent she's like
0: i don't know if i want to tell you this because i don't want you to judge me i'm like i'm a libertarian unless you like lit a child on fire (laughs) voluntarily Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) (laughs) like i've heard a lot trust me one of the one of the good and bad parts about doing the show is that people come to me with their stories and they're just unreal And, you know, I'm just sitting there listening to this thinking, A, she ended up doing okay because she came from a family that could hire a lawyer, Mm -hmm. have the resources to hire the lawyer, and get a lot of the charges dropped. Right. That gap in knowledge between a poor person's family, regardless of race a poor person's family and my family where we would have the knowledge to hire a lawyer, we would have the resources to hire a lawyer, mm-hmm. we would have the knowledge to say I'm not talking to you until I get a lawyer. You know, that knowledge gap is really the biggest part of privilege in that communities just aren't there isn't that cultural knowledge or even resources to know what what you have the ability to do. I think if you're a poor person, a poor white person or a poor black person or a poor Hispanic, you have the hopelessness of not not being able to afford a lawyer, correct? So you're not even it's not even an option on the table. You're going to take whatever the state gives to you, mm-hmm. and you're going to beg for mercy and hope that they're lenient on you. But you never have the concept that you can fight, and that to me is a huge psychological difference uh, between you know people in my position and Harry's position. Uh, you know, a white person and a black person, and you can call that privileged. You can call that whatever you'd like, but I think it's incumbent on us, and part of why I am passionate about doing this show is saying, listen, the people in society who don't have the resources that Harry and I have, Mm -hmm. or the listener that is listening to this show has, it is part of our responsibility to stand up for those people who don't know or don't have the resources, so the state doesn't push them around. Correct. And the state being local, county, federal, whomever be it Yemenis being bombed by American citizens, our job as libertarians is to stand up for people who don't have the knowledge and don't have the resources and say, this is inappropriate, this is not the way that governments are supposed to act. Mm-hmm. This is wholly inappropriate. And you, under the law, are to be given a lawyer, to to have the right to say no to certain acts of invasion. You have a right to not be bullied and dehumanized by police officers and nurses when you're arrested. Uh, And likewise, if you're a white farmer in South Africa, you have a right to not have your land seized by a government. You know, our job as libertarians is to stand up for injustice. And sometimes conservative-leaning libertarians hear that and go, that sounds like SJW nonsense. But justice is a key element Mm -hmm. of libertarianism. Yes, Uh, It is... It is our job in a voluntary society or in this society to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves when you have the resources to stand up for both of you. Mm -hmm. And this is a moment as we read through the story where you ought to think in those terms of justice. We as Americans should advocate for the farmer's rights in South Africa, just as we should advocate for the rights of... This young girl, white, black, middle class, rich or poor, to be treated by the state with dignity, Mm -hmm. that they have a right to choose. Uh, And so one of the things that I have been obsessed with over the course of my libertarian career, thanks especially to Rupert at Rupert's Kids, uh, I am raising money for Rupert's Kids for my birthday fundraiser. I will put that in the show notes. I'd love for you to donate to Rupert's Kids through my fundraiser. Um, trying to raise 500 bucks before my birthday. Uh, And if we go over that, great. They don't take any government charity. You can find out more about them by listening to a past episode of the show with Rupert on it. Um, You know, and I I was able to see the work that Rupert does in helping people who have gone through this system. And that's when I realized the indignity that people go through at the hands of this government. Uh, And In the bonus episode, we're going to talk about a little... We're going to expand on this. So I want to get back to the African Farmers. But I think it's it's important for us to realize, as white people, instead of getting mad about the privilege stuff, and trust me, it irritates me to no end too, because I'm a person who lives my life by the values of equality and justice and fairness, and indiv- every individual has dignity, every individual is deserving of love and respect, and that is regardless of whatever amount of melanin they have or not um, you know, jokes aside, jokes are funny, I'm sorry, uh, but at the end of the day, it, 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 to me, doesn't matter your color, um, and so there's a new term out there, colorist, now means what we grew up thinking racist meant, that if I hate Harry because he's black, I'm a colorist, okay, but if Harry doesn't fight for, uh, Injustice in the way that most SJWs argue for injustice and fight against white privilege, then Harry is a racist, even though Harry is is as black as Harry. Uh, then the uh, it's thank you, uh, it, Harry is a racist because Harry, by being on a libertarian podcast, is is supporting the institutions of oppression of black men and women everywhere and all people of minorities and and uh, female gender. Uh, and non-gendered uh types. <laughs> so those are the new terms is that if if you hate someone because of their color you're a colorist. If you are anything basically but a liberal then you're a a racist because it's an institutional uh support. Uh that that stupid argument it 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 gets so easy to run back into your camp. But we do have to keep in mind when we read stories like this or when we talk about the drug war, when we talk about the criminal justice system, that we are still talking about people that for dozens of generations in this country and in South Africa and in other places around the world were oppressed and were systematically robbed of resources and knowledge and made ignorant on purpose to keep them down, you know? And so, what? Nothing. No, keep going. Keep going. Uh, something from the chat? Yeah. It sparked All my right. eye. So. All right. Okay. Okay. I, I think I'm done, but I just want to say, like, there is... I'm not I'm not going to say I'm unsympathetic or sympathetic to... I guess the word sympathetic to the people who are trying to steal the white man's land in Africa. Like, I think if I were a black South African who had been a victim of apartheid and my family's land had been stolen, I probably would have a chip on my shoulder. But using law... Lawfare, basically, uh, to punish people who have no responsibility for anything is wholly inappropriate. And so, you have to have both sides recognize some common some common arguments. Yes, there were injustices done. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are things that society needs to do to correct these imbalances. Yes, you you want to make all people equal, but you can't do that by making some people less equal. By shifting the law to balance out one one group or another, um, but you do have to have some you know some mindfulness that the awareness that we uh, that i let me say i, I won't speak for all listeners this time uh you know as somebody who grew up in a an upper middle class white home had more access to resources and knowledge than a poor white person or a poor black person had. And you know, I think Correct. that's and I think that is a lot of times what people on the left are trying to say but we get so bent out of shape about it because it's wrapped in language that is inherently hostile and demeaning. And so if you're trying to get someone to stop demeaning somebody, demeaning them doesn't stop their demeaning. And that's the the real breakdown. Am I making any sense?
4: You are because, like, the privileged talk language is meant there to be slightly incendiary to start a conversation, right? To make people rethink or refresh. But I think in the beginning, it, Donald
0: it, Trump it, is president. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think in the beginning, <laughs> it probably had some merit, but now it's like, come on, come on. Let's bring some nuance to it. We can do it to every other topic. Let's do it to this one, too. And some people like to explain, like, Granted, the white per- like some people do explain it well when they say white privilege is just because of you know the quick database that people scan when they see a white person. Oh, it's it's a white person, so I'm gonna guess these different things right here. And to a lot of people, they attribute a lot of positive things to white people for some reason. Um, I don't. I see a middle aged white guy. I'm like, oh man, this guy's gonna put me in his car and his basement. make me wear lotion and stuff. You
0: know. Now, all right, very serious question. Okay, sorry. Um, I mean, you being black, uh-huh. I mean, you have, I don't know if you have mostly white friends, but the friends that I see you talking to are white. Um, I have black friends. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm sure your family's black, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But, so, I, I mean, in terms of your experience as a black man... Do you see things about the lives of your white friends or even family that you go, wow, there's a gap here. On the let's
4: see, the only real time I ever saw like a gap between like a a white friend than versus myself, it was the same way I would see if they were black the same way is that the wealth difference of what they grew up with. Okay. I have made friends with some very wealthy white people and I've hearing their grow up style and how they grew up and when they where they went to school and hear them talk about going to Brebuff, which is a a really expensive school here in Indianapolis, and their whole experience of growing up, and it's like wow, that was it's so completely removed from my entire experience of high school and college and just life in general. I was like, that's it's it that's what I don't get. But if they were black, I would have that, that have the exact same thing with the um, bougie side of my family that has a lot, that still has a lot of money that I don't you know I'm removed from that. I was like okay that makes no sense right you know, you know that um, that's that's what I get uh, so it's the exact same thing doesn't matter on the you know how much melanin the skin comes from it's to me the class of someone just from but those are just experiences though yeah those experiences that everyone has i i would probably say the same i have said the same thing about i've got white friends who grew up a lot poorer than i have and i remember going over their houses and seeing how they had lived and it's like wow this is what poor is
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
4: whoa yeah like i thought we didn't have a lot of money,
0: which is why sometimes I hate that people break it down into racism. I mean, my dad ran a janitorial company, and so I grew up you know like I wouldn't say we had a lot of expendable cash, but we had a nice lifestyle when I was a kid until <laughs> my parents got divorced and then that went away uh, but and then I realized what working poor meant, yeah, um you know, and we went from upper middle class to working poor uh, <sighs> in in a, in a couple of years. I mean, so I've been on both ends of this, but you know I saw real white poverty when my dad employed people who did janitorial work mm-hmm. you know and going to their houses to drop off checks and you know asking dad like why is their house so much littler than ours or why is it dirtier or why you know so yeah, so I always grew up with an awareness that i i was I was fortunate you know even mm-hmm. even in, in i mean from the age of sixteen to Last year, (laughs) I've been uh, fairly low income. I mean, and but I never felt poor, Mm. you know. And I don't know, I don't know how that jives with most people. But looks poor to me. (laughs) (laughs) I know when you only have one
4: fireplace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get back to South Africa. So, why are we talking about this? So, as we have talked about with the free speech stuff. The general climate and the general tenor of things ultimately ends up leading to legislation. And so, the the violence against farmers, the society being okay with that, and it, and it being kind of a, an underground conspiracy theory or mindset, uh, has led to now legislation proposals. So, South Africa has a constitutional republic... Uh, unlike us, they are a unitary constitutional republic. And so from Wikipedia, a unitary state is a state governed as a single power uh, in which a central government is ultimately supreme and any administrative divisions, subnational units, exercise only the powers that the central government chooses to delegate. So imagine that The United States, the Congress was in charge of everything along with the president, and they told the states what to do, and they told the counties what to do. Wouldn't it be weird if that were the system that we lived in, Harry? That
4: would be very weird. Glad we live in a republic.
0: Glad we live in the upside down, where the states tell the federal government what to do. Uh, So they exercise only the power that the government chooses to delegate. This frightens libertarians, and it should, Hody writes, but I should note that the UK is also a unitary state. Uh, because people are informed and have a degree of power in the UK, the people's right have not been tread upon like they have been in other countries that call themselves unitary. Mm-hmm. So, so, and that's a good point. So, the UK is a unitary central authority, but the the tenor of the people, mm-hmm. the mood of the masses, is that they control their government, and so there isn't as much BS that get, that happens as as in South America, uh, South Africa, for instance, or. Other unitary constitutional republics, and so that's why it's important to have an active citizenry. It's important to have active people, people activated into the democratic process. Because if you're not, then you allow these central authorities—be it your county, your state, your federal government, the UN—public um, outcry has a tremendous effect on how people operate. You know, the flag went up from half-mast, and then the the cry went out from the people, and Donald Trump put that flag back down uh, a half-mast for John McCain. I mean, you, you think about selling the ports uh, years ago. Um, uh, here's a good one. Closing Guantanamo Bay and putting prisoners in the United States prisons, in, in New York specifically. And the people of New York and people around the country freaked the F out, and they stopped Barack Obama from closing down Guantanamo Bay. He chickened out, uh, not going into Libya in a in a hardcore way, uh, or invading Syria uh, after the gas attack, after the red line comment. These are instances of government of public outcry stopping the federal government, for instance, from doing certain things. And so, if you don't like your f- speech being censored or you don't like your guns being taken away or you don't like your fourth amendment privacys being invaded or you don't like any of your rights being eroded then say something and don't just put it on facebook show up somewhere send thank you <laughs> um so y- y- the government is always going to do what the government does which is try and steal your rights
4: correct it's what status is going to do what state is going to
0: do doesn't matter if it's the politician that you know and liked and you volunteered in his campaign it, 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 whether he is intentionally doing it or not, he is actively moving it away to steal your rights. If they can, they will. That's right. Um, you know, So people have to fear uprisings in their government. So in South Africa, a bill uh, was th- being theoretically discussed at the beginning of this year. Uh, the Independent writes, Last month's motion in Parliament over land redistribution was proposed by the firebrand leader of the Economic Freedom Fighters, Julius Malema who was who has gained notoriety for his outspoken views towards South Africa's white population and has previously been convicted of hate speech for singing the apartheid-era struggle song, Shoot the Boar. Boar is Dutch for farmer. Mr. Malema has described land seizures as teaching whites a lesson and wants ownership to closer reflect South Africa's population where 80 to 80.2% of the po- of the people described themselves as black, 8.4% white, and 8.8% as colored, meaning a mix or something else. Um, uh, for the first part of the, the year, this bill was just basically a rumor, but then last month it became a reality, and the BBC writes, South Africa will push ahead with plans to amend the Constitution to allow land expropriation without compensation, its president says. In a rec- in a recorded address, President Cyril Ramaphosa said that the ruling ANC party will finalize a proposed amendment allowing the move. He said the reform was of critical importance to the economy. You heard that right. The bill as proposed is basically going to take people's land and take it away from them without any compensation. Uh, So here in America, we do that. We call it eminent, eminent domain, but we do pay you market price for stealing your property. Um, but here they're not going to even pay you. So you will wake up one day, and one night you will go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, you will have no home.
4: Go ahead. I'm just thinking, like, so Zimbabwe 2018. Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, this is a new Zimbabwe.
0: So this this is uh, this is going to get awful. This is something from the fringes of South Africa that the fringes are loud, and so. The fringe movements persuaded politicians that they that this is what should be done, and now there's backlash because the majority of the country is against it, and so now they're kind of backpedaling. Um, so there is uh, a large scale. So they're going to have hearings, basically, and who knows if these are hearings? They're going to have public hearings around the country, and and have listening sessions. Which I'm sure will be like American listening sessions, where the, the local government holds hearing sessions, 14 old white people show up with signs screaming mm-hmm. boomer things, mm-hmm. and then the government does whatever they want to do. And then when somebody complains, well, we had listening sessions. We had sessions. Did you show up to the sessions?
4: We made sure to have them during your work day.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to one of these listening sessions and watched a politician's mind be changed. Um, so They could be
4: changed in committee.
0: Right, right, exactly right. Enough money, you can change it. So negative press may seem innocuous, but it can easily lead to a popular outcry for sanctions or even military actions against the country from other nations if somebody like Trump gets involved. And this wouldn't be the first time that the American government toppled someone in South Africa. Uh, We have been involved. We, we We were instrumental. The CIA was instrumental in putting Nelson Mandela in jail. So, all of the bull around how Americans love Nelson Mandela and what a freedom fighter, it was your CIA with your tax dollars that tipped off the uh, South African government that put him in jail. Uh, so, that's just one of the times that we have toppled, helped topple the government in South Africa. Um, so... From the Independent, speaking this week, President rafa said his government would not support or allow violent land grabs against the white-owned farms of the kind which led to Zimbabwe's economic collapse 20 years ago, calling this anarchy. He also he, he has also specified he will consider re- rewording the bill so that safety and or compensation might be provided. So you'll hear a lot of conversation about Zimbabwe. Uh, Zimbabwe basically did the same thing 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the
4: the uh, this is like classic libertarian stuff right now. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> right. So, what happened in Zimbabwe? These two questions uh, are linked with you know, wouldn't people benefit from a land grab? Uh, Zimbabwe tried this very same kind of land reform technique in 1980 and took the country from a place where they were considered average by most metrics and brought them to a place they are now, which is one of the most impoverished countries in the world. For a time, it was actually the single most impoverished country in the world. From the Cato Institute, they write, uh, Throughout the first decade of the 21st century, Zimbabwe became Exhibit A on how to wreck a national economy. The Mugabe government seized thousands of large-scale commercial farms without compensating the landlords who held the property titles. As a result, there was a cascading set of economic failures despite the agricultural sector commanding only 15% of the economy property titles for farms became worthless, and hundreds of banks holding the deeds went out of business because mortgage payments were no longer being made. Hundreds of retail and commercial businesses dependent upon the farming sector also failed, and the government tax revenue rapidly shrank as a result, creating enormous budget deficits. The government filled the gap by printing money, resulting in hyperinflation. So... You remember the Zimbabwe currency was like mm-hmm. they, they, it was worth less than the paper it was being printed on, correct? And yeah. they couldn't print it fast enough. Mm-hmm. So, and, and everybody wanted to get Zimbabwe notes because it was like a collector's it's, item.
4: Yeah, it was goofy, yeah. Like, it was like a huge thing in libertarian circles for the longest time. I was like, <laughs> look at my trillion Zimbabwe dollar, you
0: know? Well, it was also happening during the bailout, and so everybody oh, yeah. was like, this is your future. This uh-huh. is what's going to happen in the future. And it still might, but- it still might, yeah, it, it still might. It, I, I, Luckily,
4: I, everything else has been suppressed worse. Right. It's the only thing that's holding it back.
0: So the people who like who are in the resistance right now and everything's terrible and this is the worst, in 2008 I stopped paying my credit card bills because I was so convinced because of the rhetoric of the anti-Obama Tea Party crowd over the next couple years, I stopped – I think it was 2009 – I was just convinced that we were imminently going to collapse, I had read all the Tom Woods books, I had listened to all the Ron Paul speeches, I had become a gold bug. I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to pay these credit card bills, because within a year or two we're going to hit hyperinflation, the government's going to collapse, and I completely bought all of it. And guess what didn't happen? The collapse. The the only thing that collapses my credit score, <laughs> okay? So, so when everybody is running around, oh, the government's about to have hyperinflation, and, uh, you know, Ron Paul's console, the neocons are causing hyperinflation. I'm like, yeah, dude, that didn't work on me. That worked on me 10 years ago, but I'm a little wiser now. And, you know, people who are getting involved in politics for the first time after 2016 who are anti-Trump, they're really scared. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I remember being really scared when Barack Obama first got elected. And you know what happened? Not much. Yeah, not much. Right. So pay your bills, calm down, and be a grown-up. Yeah,
4: pay your bills off, pay your bills down, get out of debt. These are good things to do. That's right. If you're really scared of a collapse, get out of debt. Get cash, get solid currency. If you have the chance to get some gold and some silver on hand, do that okay? Ponies. Yeah, and ponies. Do not forget your pony, okay? Because the pony economy is coming, okay? Roman Supreme will be president.
0: So this is a great example of in South Africa where people who want to level the playing field by using the government and just taking things, you don't actually end up leveling the playing field. The only playing field that you level is that everybody in the society ends up poor.
4: Oh, yeah. Can you imagine being one of those uh, landowners? Even though they're having these hearings and starting to walk back, my first move is trying to get my British passport or finding another country to go to and selling my property. I'm getting the heck out and I'm not paying my mortgage payment. Right. Because they're going to take it from me anyways, so I'm taking all my money and getting the heck out of there. Right. It's yeah, you, yeah. You get out, and it's like, oh, we're going to backpedal. No, I'm out. I'm out. I'm cashing out. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck.
0: So just leave. If you want to know more about Zimbabwe's collapse, in the show notes that uh, there's a PDF of show notes that are attached. Uh, so if you want, you know, the Hodi commentary, the links that we use, all that stuff. All in the show notes that you can uh, look in your little podcatcher description, or go to WeAreLibertarians dot com. And I will say every day in the Chris Spangle show post, there is a roundup of news and articles and all kinds of great stuff. So make sure that you check that every day. Every day. Best yet, if you don't want to forget, just get the email newsletter every night at nine o'clock. We're going to send you a link to everything that happened on WeAreLibertarians dot com that day, all the podcasts, all that good stuff. So. um uh, so, uh, why why are we talking about this? Well, Donald Trump, and affected it, mm-hmm. and everybody is talking about the South Africa stuff, and uh, it's one of those things where if you're in the libertarian e- echo chamber... Ecosystem. You, ecosystem. You hear about the South Africa stuff, but you don't know what you're supposed to believe. You don't know, like, uh, like, obviously a government taking people's land is a very bad thing. And it's going to lead to economic collapse. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not only economically foolish, it's also morally wrong. Correct. So, But I will, I will ask this. I mean, Harry, how do we reconcile the fact that some of these lands, not all, but some, were stolen to begin with?
4: Hundreds of gen- yeah, generations ago, hundreds of years ago, those people who stole those lands are dead and gone. Right. And, and some of these lands were homesteaded.
0: So why why should the why should the future generations of uh, of the thieves get to live on the land when the when the hundreds of generations later should get the land back? I mean, wh- who said,
4: who even knows if these black people that are there they're the original landowners that were there when the British arrived? Right, you know, tribes and people have moved in and conquered nations and moved in areas for. How old was your 6,000 years? 6,000 years or so. It's just something that happens. We can we can try to correct and heal from the things in the past and not do those bad things. Right. But we cannot go out and just start t- taking land that people are actively using and, and just give it to someone just because, well, your tribe had this 200 years ago. Here you go. Yeah. Now, if they're not actively doing anything with that land- you know, and they want to, you know, it's like, okay, so, you, you know, you're pretty much a band, you're not doing anything about it, you can probably, you know, if the landowner wants to sell, go ahead, okay? Yeah. But if they're actively using this, doing something with this land, or just wanting to own their land, then they're so far, they're about as removed from the bad deeds that the conquering British are than you are from your ancestors being trampled upon from that land being taken. Right. <laughs> yes, it sucks. It's awful. But I am bet dollars to donuts, your ancestors conquered somebody that was sitting there in the first place. Could have been penguins. I don't know.
0: So uh, it just sparked my memory, the Gracchi reform, the Gracchus brothers, and land reform in the Roman Republic where they basically took... Um, Uh, they basically stole land from rich people and gave it to the commons, Mm -hmm. and it completely collapsed the Republic of the Roman Empire into Caesar becoming their dictator. Uh, So this is is just another There's a great book about this called Storm Before the Storm by Mike Duncan, who did the History of Rome podcast, and uh, he basically outlines the last 150 years of the Roman Republic and central to the fall of the Roman Republic was these land reforms that Tiberius Gracchus introduced as a way to basically... It was the same exact play. It was a demagogue politician promising poor people land stolen from the rich people who were causing their misery, supposedly. Uh, and so it was. it's a very good book. Uh, I will put that in the um in the in the show post link and if you click on that it'll be it'll if you buy it it gives us credit
4: i just added that to my cart through my wheeler libertarians link
0: that's right so amazon we are slash support and you can access our amazon link and so every time you purchase something through amazon we get the credit for it so if you buy this book then please do that through our amazon link and uh then we get a commission based off of the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, Amazon.com people, yeah. and it costs you nothing. So uh, so now y- the president, he teased out white genocide, and white genocide is something that is co- commonly talked about in this subject. Uh, and and I think every libertarian, I was listening to Glenn Beck the other day, and they were doing a uh, a survey on this, and they, they put some of their research staff on it, and they said we had every intention of finding white genocide taking place in South Africa, but every time we followed the threads, it ended up back at this one group, kind of pushing this narrative. So, you know, every time you pull on some narrative, you end up with media matters, for instance. So the so the South African media matters is basically pushing this narrative that uh, that there is is uh, a systemic organized violence against white farmers in South Africa. And that's just... It's not that it's not true. You're unable to prove that's true because of the way that statistics are reported. Now, violence is up against farmers, but violence is up against everyone in South Africa. They're going through a serious crime spike. Um, So the Independent writes... (laughs) Uh, Since the beginning of 2018, when they started mulling this bill over, people realized the government was on their side and started attacking whites. Independent is a British newspaper. Activist groups promoting the rights of white people in the country claim there have been 90 recorded attacks in 2018 so far, with one farmer murdered every five days on average. There is no official data supporting the idea that white farmers are more likely to be victims of attacks in South Africa. And the government strongly denies white people are being deliberately targeted and says farm murders are part of South Africa's wider violent crime problem. The problem is you can't confirm or deny anything um, because, I mean, if you if you look at some of these stories, they're very horrific crimes. You know, the, the theft and the violence ends up turning into murder and rape. Um, and you, you can't discount... The actual stories coming from people right you know and there is clearly a crime spike taking place but one problem is that they discontinued keeping stats on why so like theft is massively up in south africa because of increased poverty mm-hmm. but they stopped attributing to to they, they stopped recording motive in crimes in South Africa. So they no longer keep statistics on what caused people to commit the crime they committed. And so you can't go back and look and say, this was a racially motivated crime, this was just a theft that turned into a murder. So from a macro perspective, you can't prove that white genocide is taking place. Um, but obviously, the crime is up against whites, and nobody can really get a good handle on whether or not it is a systemic targeting of white farmers or if it is just a coincidence that is being grabbed by certain advocacy groups and then presented that way. True. So
4: So they just stop recording data? They're just like, ah, we don't need that mode of thing.
0: Who knows? That's happened here in America, too. That's true. Um, so,
4: I know we're sitting in a city that like got rid of their uh, vehicle theft division and saw a massive spike in car thefts in the two years since the division's been gone. So, Right.
0: So, It's exactly right. <laughs> Who am I to criticize? I'm, I'm sure there's some political correctness bullcrap as to why they don't do that anymore.
4: Probably. Yeah, just like Sweden and Britain. They've got, right. you know, they've, they've got rules on it or something. Or it just looks bad in the macro.
0: So Donald Trump, as expected, Donald Trump took a long time to carefully study the issues, had <laughs> his research team on it, uh, thought you know he he got in his slack with his researchers and said you know what I want to know about South Africa before I go onto Twitter I want to know exactly what's happening so I can present to people the truth. That's not what Donald Trump did. <laughs> I know you're surprised.
4: I I am shocked.
0: I have asked Secretary of State Pompeo to closely study the South Africa land from farm seizures and ex-appropriations and the large-scale killing of farmers. Uh, So, South African government is now seizing land from white farmers. At Tucker Carlson. At Fox News. (laughs) (laughs) Tagging his bros in there. Uh, So... I think that means he was probably watching Tucker Carlson and wanted Tucker to know he was watching, so that's mm-hmm. why he uh, he did that. Um, Notice me, Simba. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's he he doesn't have all the facts. He believed the media, like as I've said before. If you're watching, even Tucker, who's good a lot of the times, except on immigration. Uh, is if you're watching television news you're having your intelligence assaulted yeah,
4: pretty much you, you should only get your news from we are libertarians That's it's right. the only source of news you need It's really A- and the Brian Nichols show
0: there's really like nothing else you need because i'm doing I'm doing the work of fifteen people here yeah. so uh, so check that out um, so I mean d- have you learned anything different about the South African situation?
4: I learned about the whole them not keeping the motive. Now that makes sense why it's really hard to research. And but they haven't done that for a while because like right now, from every bit of research before that, even that for a while they just said no violence is just it's against farmers. It's it's who they have attacked. But in that country, that's where you know it's it's kind of that's you know it's a cash cow, right? You know they're wealthy, they get attacked. You know they get mugged.
0: Well. I think that it, it, in the future, I'm not going to be surprised to see South Africa devolve, uh devolve, devalls, uh, devolve into something very serious. Probably because I think they had, you know, anytime you elect a government that wants to just steal land from people and is propping up their little sister party basically the ANC is propping up this you know freedom party mm-hmm. to basically be their hatchet men because they don't want to do it um, and they're encouraging and emboldening you know this, this radical person who's basically a racist who wants to kill white people mm-hmm. so I think I think if you're a white person in South Africa and I actually know I have a Twitter friend who's in South Africa and I've talked with her I'm like like are you getting out so um, and they're like ugh So, I I mean, I would be concerned. Yeah. I'd look at it and go, I really don't think we should stay here. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're 1933 Germany. Yeah. But at this point, you can't... From America, sitting here, you can't tell what's going on. And it doesn't look like if you're in South Africa, you can really tell what's going on. But the conditions don't look good. When your government starts thinking you're not people and they can take your stuff that's usually not a good condition
4: without compensation
0: <laughs> right right explicit
4: it was like it wasn't even like they were hiding the oh we may pay right. no we ain't paying no. we broke right. that down that we ain't paying so
0: all right this segment was brought to you by our patreon thank you for joining us here on the show Long ago, opinion journalism only existed in newspapers and magazines, but the internet has given rise to new voices like We Are Libertarians. Few people are doing what we do, giving a libertarian opinion on modern life and politics in a fun and entertaining way. We here at We Are Libertarians are building something special, but we cannot do it without your help. We are hiring freelancers, building up our website, planning to grow into the largest libertarian voice in America by 2020 during that election i know it's going to happen and we can't do it without your help and that takes tools and resources uh we we need you to join with us become a citizen at five dollars a month and get our bonus content cd quality and commercial free shows before anybody else at ten dollars if you join the nobility then you get access to an exclusive facebook group and a notification to join the live stream and chat with us during the show Members of the royal court at $25 get a poster and free shipping in the new We Are Libertarians store. And you can also join the emperor's circle at $100 a month. And you get to sit in on our co-host strategy calls, which are coming soon, thanks to Harry Price. Private access to dear leader himself. And a guest spot on the show after a couple months. So please join now at wearelibertarians.com slash support or at patreon.com slash Libertarians. Special thanks to Craig Decosta, Brandon Luke, Jason Doolittle, Christy Avery, Paul Jonathan Eats Jr., and the Liberty Coalition for the Libertarian Coalition for being members of the $100 a month Emperor Circle. All right, welcome back to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle. Here with me is Harry Price. And if you haven't subscribed to our show, please do so now and be sure to leave a rating and review while you're there. This segment is brought to you by our Patreon you can get at WeAreLibertarians.com. In this age of frantic communication about hundreds of issues from thousands of voices, it is easy to lose sight of the basic principles of libertarianism. The path to libertarianism exists to keep us grounded in a philosophy that remains a constant in this world of evolving opinion. And this week I wanted to talk about um, Cody Wilson. Okay, so the path to libertarianism this week is about a guy named Cody Wilson and his beliefs and the cost for standing up for them. And uh, he gave, uh, this guy is the three, 3D printing gun guy that you may have heard a little bit about. Uh, and he gave an interview to Tom Woods, and we're going to play a little, s- some pieces of this and break some of this down because it was fantastic. Um, you know. And so the, the, what I want to talk about is understanding what you believe and why you believe it, actually going through and acting out your beliefs, and then the cost that that may... Uh, that may cost you if you if you live out those beliefs. Um, I think this interview you have to go listen to it. It's in the show notes if you want to listen to the whole thing. Um, but it was a great interview. It was episode one one thousand two hundred twenty four with Cody Wilson uh, of Tom Woods, and I don't know I don't know that there's anything I disagree with, but I I just found Cody to be the type of person that I respect a lot—someone who has thought long and deep uh, and, and hard about their beliefs, and has decided that his principles actually mean something, and he's going to live those out. And in a lot, and in a lot of ways, I mean, I agree with Cody on everything, but I don't agree with John McCain on a lot. But in a, in a lot of ways, that's why people respect John McCain—is because he did the same thing. He thought about those higher values. He thought about values that impact society beyond himself, and then he tried to live those out. And it didn't matter what the cost was. Sometimes that cost was good, and sometimes that cost was bad. But at the end of the day, he lived by his principles, and that was truly what mattered. You know, and what we'll hear in this interview is a, a person who understands what they believe, truly appreciates and values free speech, truly appreciates and values the right to own a firearm a person who understands the importance of an open and free internet. Uh, and and you you aren't going to hear it in these clips, but Cody Wilson even works with the government to make sure that people are safe and taken care of and helps them. When they have issues about 3D printing of guns, uh, he, he helps answer those questions. He works with ATF and other people on issues because he's like, listen, I don't want crazy people to get this stuff. I don't want terrorists to get this stuff. So I voluntarily work with the government when they have questions. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be, like, a really, like, refreshing thing to hear from an anarchist, like, not fuck you pigs. Like, it was... Uh, it, nuance. Right, Gross. Right. He was like, <clears throat> I feel that if I create this technology and I put this out into the world, it's up to me to help shepherd it and to make sure that it does fall into the hands of people who deserve to have this, this technology. So, what do you know about... I have never heard of Cody Wilson. I know nothing of Cody Wilson until this interview, and I was, like, smitten.
4: Oh wow! Yeah, um, I remember when Cody Wilson popped up on the scene when he first built the Liberator, um, using a three D printer and was shopping that. Explain sucker. that. What is that? The Liberator is the um, for, like, it's the first three D printed gun, like from the ground up, just being three D printed. It, it was just, it's an untraceable gun in the sense that it wasn't made from a shop. It was just printed out of plastic. The thing that makes it ATF legal is the firing pin that you have to add into it, and you put like a nail in the back of it, because it, to be ATF legal inside the United States for a gun, it has to have some metal components so it can pick up by a metal detector. Right. So the firing pin, which will be, is a nail, that you put in the back of it, and it makes it a gun. Hmm. A fully functioning gun, too, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then Cody, a lot of people were... Uh, but he also did like... A, also traced like the Air 15 lower. You, 3D printer so you could print that out in plastic. The Then he got in... Tr- I remember then he got in trouble with that. A lot of people were going after him like that. And then he also helped develop the Ghost Gunner, which is basically... You know, which tries to show people like, hey, technically 3D printing or CAD design or making things with a computer has been around for years. It's called CNC machine.
2: So right. we
4: basically made a CNC machine that basically was set up, ready to do to finish 80% lower receivers for AR-15s and and build um, uh, 1911s out of solid machine block using CNC technology, which is how they built it. the factories from a lot of different factories. So. Really? <laughs> I, like I said, I, I've looked at Cody. I remember like watching like some Cody interviews. I remember one time when he got the 3D printer. He got it off the the, um, the truck, put it in, installed it, started printing on it, and then that company found out what he was doing with it. They sent a truck back, and I asked for the 3D printer back.
0: Nice. Yeah.
4: I was like, what? This, they took it back from you? It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, but sorry. Yeah.
0: No. No apologies sorry. necessary. Did you know that he created Hatreon? I did not what so so when uh Lauren Southern and some other people got kicked off of Patreon mm-hmm. uh, he he set up this site called Hatreon.
4: Mm-hmm. I knew of Patreon, but he really did it
0: and so it was a Patreon like system mm-hmm. so if you want to see how Patreon works you can go to patreon.com slash we are libertarians mm-hmm. and it's basically a way for you as a content creator to financially support your work And so, all these guys kept getting kicked off, like Richard Spencer, and he created a platform for these people to... to, And then Visa eventually shut them down and said, forget it. And so, once Visa or MasterCard says, no, you're done... Um, and somebody actually sent me the link to Patreon and said you should use this because it, it was a year ago when I was looking for an alternative, mm-hmm. and I took one look at it, I was like, nope, <laughs> like, <laughs> just what I need my my audience to go and like, I'm not gonna sign up on a site that has Richard Spencer next to it, you know, and so, and so I was very against Patreon, mm-hmm. and and I don't think I'm not against it, but I I totally get what he's saying in the later clip. Um, so here's a guy who does a lot of stuff that, like, from the outside, if he, if he were reported on, you'd go, "What a whack job! What a alt right troll! What a blah blah blah!" But when you listen to this interview, he's incredibly bright. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, I'm really pissed. He's handsome too, um, and he's just somebody that I I think is a good role model for people. Uh, And so I want to play the first clip on his influences. Now, we're not going to pull any clips about the gun stuff or how he does any of that. You can go listen to Tom Woods. Give him that download. Listen to all that. I just pulled a few minutes of this that I think are relevant. So this is Tom Woods talking to uh, Cody Wilson on the Tom Woods show. Play. Do something. All right, well... Apparently we're not gonna play this clip uh, because you're being a dick computer. Uh, I hate a dick computer, don't you? Mm-hmm. Is that an Apple that you're using there? Yeah, but I don't think it's the Apple's fault. I think it's the computer's fault. So,
4: B- which is an Apple, right? right.
0: No, it's uh, Adobe's fault. It's oh, okay. Like oh, okay. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, just yeah. So, Harry, how's your week going? Going
4: good. Going good. Do you to put that on your stream deck or the push button there?
0: Yeah, I think that's probably what I'm going to have to do here. Oh, or maybe man. I'll get into the Trello here. I've got it there, too. Oh, i got cool. it everywhere. Yeah. I have, like, I have like 15 different places should something go wrong. So, yeah. well, What are
1: your influences, like philosophical influences? And, by the way, we're very open-minded here on The Tom Wood Show. It's okay if they're not all Murray Rothbard. I'm just curious. Oh, about, I know that. You know, I know what, that.
3: what made you Cody Wilson? You've, uh... I've seen you get raked over the coals the last year too, man. Oh, you know, we all got, geez. <laughs> and I liked how you stand up for it. You know, I, I, fortunately at the end of the day, a lot of us from a, a really committed point of view will, will be tested this way by the, I don't know, the quavering emotivists of our uh, quote unquote movement. I, I used to consider myself a movement libertarian when I was in college and stuff. I, Ron Paul and CPAC and all this stuff. I, you know, and, and of course you, Tom, I, my, my co-founder of Defense Distributed, Zach Cuban, was a huge Tom Woods fan when we were in school and we would go by, you know, and get your books and stuff at the little tables, the CPAC, you know, uh, so you've been on my radar a long time. I could say to some degree, you're a, an influence of mine because, you know, there's a Christian element, uh, to your life and elite, elite academic institutions, you know, that provide aspirational motivation for people who want to maintain a connection to conservative philosophy and their libertarian activism. So I'd say that you're in there by the way. Well, I appreciate Um, that. I wasn't fishing for that just so you know, but I do appreciate (laughs) it. No, no, I know you weren't. Um, but for me though, the, 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 defining, the kind of landmark moments in my philosophical exposure were Hoppe. Hoppe was a big thing for me. And of course, before he was particularly like, I don't know, contaminated in the current discourse. Of course that doesn't bother me at all, but, um, I, critical theory and And then I found Baudrillard and I would say like those are the the high water marks for me for all my, all my, look, I don't, I don't want to unpack it all, but basically like uh, Baudrillard has a, his late theory is his fatal theory. Like this stuff is directly what I do. I just try to kind of live out Baudrillard's charges to people, which are that like every project you have should be an analogy for something. It should contain elements of play and challenge. It should invite the element of chance. Um, This might all sound Kind of cartoonish to you, but uh, I I treat it with deadly seriousness. <laughs> yeah, I, we can go any any direction you want there, but that's that's about it for me. I, I spent some time with the Austrians. And I discovered Hoppe. Um, I'm quite favorable to the post Marxist discourse. Once once the leftists finally shake away leftism, and then now we, we see people like Telos Press at Stanford University, and, and I'm comfortable at least having conversations with these all uh, these. Neo reactionaries, you're discovering the kind of post left and post right, post democratic politics of the future.
0: So I don't think you need to have a whole list of, uh, <clears throat> you know, like names like that, and you don't certainly have to fall down the rabbit hole that maybe he did. But what you hear in that clip is somebody who has read widely, or when asked, can answer the question, "Who were your greatest influences in your thinking? Who helped form your values?" And what are those values that you live by? What are the things that motivate you to wake up in the morning? What is your purpose for living? What is your purpose for doing a task? And what I love about that clip is that he he has thought down to every element of why he does what he does. And, and I can tell you as somebody who is very ambitious and somebody who is very motivated myself, uh, everything to me is has to have a higher purpose there has to be some uh element of uh you know it's 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 it, I just don't want to waste my time I mean we have such limited time and I'm 30 I'll be 35 in a couple weeks and it's like you know I'm I could be middle aged I could be three quarter aged or I could be you you never know and 35 years went so quickly and I'm already starting to feel age, and I'm starting to slow down, and not not have the same memory I did. And it's like I want to maximize every piece of time that I have left. And so every day, I want to go to bed exhausted, mentally, physically, emotionally, and I want to I I want to experience life and and contribute to our national conversation and through a voice that is different than anybody else's. Nobody is out there combining empathy and you know christian thought and libertarian thought and news analysis and doing what we're doing and, there, and i think through every single part of what we do at we are libertarians you know and so i identified with somebody who has identified the moments in their thought that were impactful to them that then thought out why they do what they do and and then thought how can I impact the world according to those values you know and I, I certainly am not as clear as that and I certainly don't think that uh, I'm as motivated as that but that is somebody that I heard I was it was aspirational for me um, and so it, it, it was something that I wanted to play for you guys because I think it is important for every one of our listeners to understand why you think the way you think understand who shaped your thinking and why, and then ask, are those the appropriate people to shape the way you think? Let's say you were influenced by John McCain. What parts of John McCain influenced you? Was it the part of the man who um, was completely honest all the time, and when he wasn't honest, he apologized for it? Or was it the part that where he thought that using the force of government and putting a gun to somebody else's head was an appropriate use of his value, was an appropriate value to have? Um, and, and so I would, I would say that John McCain was somebody in 2000 that I was very, I wanted him to win that primary. But by 2008, I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> because I had a fundamental shift in my values and in my thinking. So understand who shaped your thinking. Understand why you think what you think, and then start examining from those principles and values your actions, your behavior, your daily life, your daily tasks. Um, Today was one of the rare times where, uh, you know, to me, family is important and extended family is important. Uh, I grew up in a large extended family until 15, 13 to 15, basically my nuclear and extended family disappeared. Through death, divorce, uh, relocations. And so I went from having a large loving family to, uh, to having uh, not much family. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when I, I, I make sure to see my nieces once a week or talk to them on the phone. Or, and so I was invited to see them for dinner tonight and I didn't go. And it's one of the rare times where I violated that that principle and value. But it mm. doesn't matter who or what. And it's because I, it was going to con- be inconvenientary and I'm going to see them in a few days. You know what I mean? So, there, so it's the trade-off. But that principle is really important to me to the point that I will cancel a lot of stuff. And there have been times where I have not been consistent with the show because I was seeing them. And it is more important for me to to be a part of my niece's lives, who are two and four, than it is to fulfill my duties at, at here, mm. you know, or at work, even. Mm-hmm. My nieces are two of the most important people in my life. So, you know, and it's because I was I was shaped in a good way and then by in a bad way by extended family and the role that that plays in somebody's life. So that's an example of understanding what is important and the priorities that exist in your life. And so, Harry, like, if I ask you, what are the foundational moments in your, in your political thinking, we may not jump into your life, but if, if, if it relates, mm-hmm. you know, we all can kind of identify those impactful people in life. But if I asked you, like, who are the impactful thinkers in your life that led you to libertarianism and what values did they impress upon you, what would you say?
2: Mm.
4: I used to like be able to rocket this answer F and go to it. Be, but a lot of it from comes from different readings of different times and different places. To be perfectly honest, um, a lot of it from just reading of a lot of. Um, I'm at but the place I'm at, firstly, like from a from Stanford, just from reading a lot of Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. and I've read a, which has helped me out a whole lot to judge. of from where, for just politically speaking, it was like uh, Frederick Douglass, Thomas Saul and also reading other different books. Um, I cannot remember the authors, but the, the book The the Assassin, Harrison Bergeron, um, and um, Fahrenheit, um, Fahrenheit 450, uh, yeah, 451. Right. Those books shaped me. And also, I think the biggest thing that, and you guys can give me crap for it to want, but a space opera, a.k.a. Gundam, the Gundam series, and anime series, helped shape me politically. A lot of the things that I go back to, a lot of the things that I know like is the foundation of a lot of the ideas that I w- will think about, especially politically thinking, I can trace back to watching Gundam as a kid.
0: Hmm. Yeah, for me, it was Healing Our World by Mary Ruart. Okay. Because I've never fit in with the Misesian crowd. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't like economics. I don't. It's hard for me to understand economics. It's like Einstein, when they examined his brain, the math part of his brain was 200% larger. Mine's mm. 200% smaller. Mm. So it, economics is just not something that I'm crazy about. That's why... Um, what's the book? It's up here on the shelf here. Uh how an Economy Grows and Why It Crashes by Peter Schiff was so helpful because it had so many pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and it helped me to understand uh, economics a lot better. But Mary Ruart's book, Healing Our World, uh, was like a lightning bolt to me in 2013. And, I mean, I had been a libertarian by that point uh, for five, six years at, at most. But that that was the first time that I saw libertarianism could be an empathetic philosophy. <laughs> And it spoke to me in a way that was very impactful because all of the sudden, it, it, you know, and Ron Paul was a lightning bolt in 2007 or 2008 in those debates when I saw him talk about foreign policy. And that's when I went, oh, I get it. I'm a libertarian. I understand the foreign policy stuff. I have no excuse not to join this party or to be part of this movement, you know. And then for me, the... the um the reading of Mary's book in 2013, when I discovered it, it was like, "Wow, you can combine empathy and loving people with libertarianism." It's actually a very empathetic. It's the antithesis in a lot of ways of Ayn Rand and the way that people they position libertarianism, you know. And then hearing Marshall Fritz and that and that clip especially that I just played, and and if you go back in the We Are Libertarians subscriber feed. The podcast feed. You'll find what is a libertarian by Marshall Fritz, or the basics of libertarianism with Marshall Fritz. And the reason that's in our feed is that was so impactful to me in 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 articulating the the values. An extension of our values is liberty. That is libertarianism, and so Marshall and uh, working for the Advocates for Self Government was just. I got to spend a year working for the marketing arm of the libertarian movement as their marketing guy Mm -hmm. trying to uh, come up with a you you take the quiz online and then my goal was to basically craft some sort of pipeline to take hitler to libertarian in two minutes Mm. you know and that goal is uh something that i will eventually achieve uh, the the output of that year of work is actually the path to libertarianism at WeAreLibertarians.com. dot com. So just go go to uh, WeAreLibertarians.com dot com slash libertarianism and you'll find some of the the thinking that I put in that year. But it was just basically a year of me studying libertarianism and how do you message it quickly and easily in a way that regular people get, uh, and it was so instructive instructive to me. Um, the 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 next part of this interview is what? What is? Uh, maybe not this part yet. Let's go to to this part. Why does Cody Wilson? No, I'm going to go to the cost part. Okay, so living out your values sometimes there will be a cost. You know, in, in Christianity, it is often said that you know it's it's hard to live the Christian lifestyle in a world of sin, and it and it is. Trust me. I mean, that's it's why Christians fail all the time. Um, but you know, when you, when you believe anything strongly, you're going to pay a cost for that. Uh, be it a personal cost, be it, uh, friends, family, be it money, be it job opportunities. Um, I- anytime you stand for something, there's going to be a cost. People pleasing is easy, but being firm in your beliefs is not. And, uh, so this is some of the, some of what, has what it has cost cody the incredible financial and personal cost of believing
1: in what he believes in where do things stand for you and how people can help you
3: well <laughs> i i ran one lawsuit for many years mostly out of my own pocket and now i'm being sued it's lawfare it's true lawfare i'm, I'm being sued in four different federal venues across the country i'm being sued by the pennsylvania attorney general the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, how can a state bring a federal claim like this? I I don't know, but, you know, you still have to go to court for years about it. Even so, I'm being sued in New Jersey state court by the New Jersey attorney general who would dare to make the claim that hosting a website in Texas somehow violates New Jersey state law. What else? And then 21 states are suing me in Washington. And uh, this is that attorney general who sues Trump every single time Trump does something. So I'm, I'm caught up in the, uh, the great production of Trump law out there in the Ninth Circuit now. So I know that I'm going to get kicked around the Ninth Circuit for ages, even though, again, these states can't even prove that they have Article Three standing for this controversy. So it's a beautiful thing where like, I'm actually in a, a position of real strength from the law everywhere you look, but that won't prevent me from having to spend years and blood and fortune and everywhere you look. So I have a, I have a fundraiser at defcad.com and um, I'm going for two weeks right now. I'm getting private commitments and public commitments. I think I can, I can fund it for the next couple of years, no problem, just, just by the end of the month if uh, everyone's involved and we'll spread the word and spread the video. The stakes couldn't possibly be higher because these people have just decided, look, we're, we're going to say that there's no First Amendment value in any type of computer-aided code, right? Any type of design file, like, nope, no First Amendment protection. Because if, if you could use a computer to create a shape of a gun, well, then I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. And we have to prove that, that code isn't speech so that we can control what you do with a computer. That's that's literally where these people are. So stakes couldn't be higher from a digital libertarian point of view.
1: So is there any is there any point where you say this is overwhelming and I just have to throw in the towel? Or is it is it manageable?
3: Mm, I don't know. I mean, uh, I hate to say it this way, but I wouldn't be any kind of man if I hadn't had the original challenge. Like when I made the printed gun, I was immediately challenged and threatened for prosecution by the the Obama State Department. That was a huge thing to fall on my head when I was just kind of one guy. And that enormous challenge is what made me have to build a manufacturing company and become responsible and meet a payroll, right? Like I had to find half a million dollars. No one's just going to give that to you. You have to produce it. And so as perverse as it sounds, I actually am welcoming of this challenge. I, I think it can easily destroy me and bankrupt me, but I like the idea that maybe I could become excellent enough to, to also defeat this.
1: You know, I guess I was maybe conceiving of this the wrong way. I was thinking, look, this information is already out there. There's nothing they can do about that. What well, what are they going to do, really? How are they going to stop this information from being spread? But what they can do is make your life miserable. And I, I discounted that, I think.
3: Well, I mean, thank you for saying so. And I, again, I don't want people to be greatly like, I don't know. Uh, sad for me like i've got a fighting chance and i get the fights that i asked for right i certainly invited this challenge in some way all these states accepted the fight on my own terms they got so mad because uh i was out there in the press with a picture of you know a headstone with the words gun control on it <laughs> you know they're, they're not just going to sit there and accept this symbolic challenge and this is actually part of my activism i understand that they won't and it leads to overreach and it leads to desperate knee-jerk reactions where again like the claims that they've made are and I'm sorry, but piss poor, right? These aren't even these aren't even intelligible legal claims in these mini venues. And I think that there's every room for them to be or there's every opportunity for them to be corrected and for me to be vindicated and, and for the glory to be greater. But um you still have to you still have to survive the initial nuke from orbit, you know?
0: So there is a guy who is uh, I like that he is seeing these challenges. I mean I think most people would look at these challenges and go this is nope nope not 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 anymore not gonna do it uh don't want to be a part of this uh i'm just gonna go live with my family and uh, be happy and you know and he's like you know what this is gonna stretch me this is gonna make me a better person
4: yeah yeah Yeah, um the the scary thing about that uh, the whole uh, talking about this thing when they're talking about going after the computer Essentially, they are doing the same thing to do with Bitcoin and cryptography. Is they're out going trying and outlaw math, right? And if they could get him and not say this isn't a First Amendment, then they'll use that to go after who knows cryptocurrency, cryptography in general. Period. Just be having the ability to hide behind a VPN, hide behind um, you know SSL certificates, Shikael uh, proxy socks, and so the government can see everything. You know, you can't do that. We can outlaw that now. Right. It's the exact same type of math that they're going to try to outlaw or saying who can control or who cannot control CNC machines or printing machines and holding right. back more of this printing technology. It's worse now that, you know, a lot of the technology is being held back just because of the copyright and patent trolls. That's not to, what they're coming after them yet. They're coming after them this way. Right. You know, which I can't... It, like, these... He says these are like fights he can win. yeah, but it's what I'm more worried about is a like patent trolls coming after him.
0: Right. It? So so then this is a little bit of a longer clip, but this is explaining why he actually does what he does.
3: Well, to boost my post on Facebook, I can't advertise. Uh,
0: he's basically asked by Tom Woods, uh, you know, what do you think of these platforms? So he, he's giving an answer about how he gets the word out and how he raises money to piggyback off that last question. Uh, And so he's asked, you know, how do you how do you get the word out? And then he kind of gives these. I just thought it was fascinating how he's been silenced and yet he still he still operates and thrives.
3: Really able to boost my posts on Facebook. I can't advertise uh, on any significant or major channels. Uh, I can't use most payment processors. I've been thoroughly banned on most platforms over the years. Um, It's just how it is. Right. Now, of course, it doesn't prevent me from acting, but it certainly limits my reach. So I have to I have to wait on these moments, like where the mainstream media comes to me, and I've done okay with that. You know, I've I've survived with these this weird cycle, this weird method. So I trust it. And
1: uh, well, let me ask you about I, I, that. I, but let me ask you about mm-hmm. that particular thing. I mean, uh, I think people are maybe tired of talking about social media and the. Censorship's a weird word in this situation, but but deplatforming and all that, and I'm sure you've had plenty to say about it. But how do you feel about that? I mean, you're you're a technology guy, mm-hmm. but you're not involved in building alternative platforms. Do you think alternative platforms are the way forward, or fighting well, to build your that. way into the old ones, or what?
3: Uh, it's I actually did build an alternative platform last year for people that were kicked off of um, the website Patreon, and. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Patreon, but that's that's I, a way that uh, you I don't, make money. I don't use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have
1: of. my own thing that I can't be kicked off.
3: Of. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. I uh, I built a service called Patreon. For, you uh, built that? <laughs> that was me. You're, yeah. you're crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now listen, I built that though for you know distinct distinct reason. I needed to both understand how to you know maintain the right payments relationships and and undergo the, the extreme hosting challenges or something like that, right? Where you're going to be actively attempted to be hacked and brought down every day. And I, I did that for about six months. It was very, very hard, but I actually learned a lot of lessons. And I was proud that I was able to stand up for the speech interests of all these people, even even villains like Richard Spencer and Andrew Anglin. I, I was certainly grateful that I could, I could send the money and help them you know, reach their audience and stuff. In the end, it wasn't enough because uh, Visa itself shut us down. So you can't really you know, it's like God, God pronounced that we couldn't do it. So I think there's certain platforms that just can't be built in the current environment. Um, there's, you know, you'll just be terminated by your own success, but yeah, if anyone, if anyone's motivated enough, I think you can maintain, but what you would can you find a, yeah, would wouldn't
1: there be some way you could do that with cryptocurrency?
3: Yeah. But the the big thing in crypto right now is that there aren't pull, there isn't really pull technology. And a lot of these people simply want a platform that they can have reliable income, you know, on a subscription basis. And um, a lot of this can't really be built in crypto right now. You can remind people every month to send you money, but a lot of people want to set up automatic processes. You know how it is. This is reliable, something that you can count on next month. And, you know, a credit card authorization vaulted in a in a web app is like it's much more. You know, that's the that's the brass ring right now.
1: What about people who say? But look, Cody, these people are toxic and they're trying to spread terrible ideas. And, you know, yeah, yeah, we're all in favor of free speech as long as they're talking about the weather or something. But but we don't want that ah, kind of speech. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah.
3: There it is. There it is. You know, yeah, everybody's brave to protect free speech when it's useless speech or inoffensive. I'm, I'm inspired by different moments in living memory for me, like Christopher Hitchens' great defense of Holocaust denial and everything. Why? Not because he is a Holocaust denier, but because he would, he would never – He would never give, I don't know, credit to a a regime of law, which could, which could penalize you for denying the facts. You know, it's, it's a, I don't, don't, it's so distasteful to even consider laws like hate speech laws and Holocaust denial laws. And, you know, this just isn't, this, these aren't the fruits of the enlightenment. Of course, some people in the philosophy would say like, uh, yes, it is. And this is why the enlightenment, you know, must be abandoned. But uh, I, I like to both have direct engagement with uh, the panoply of extremist ideas, right? Like, I mean, I've met Assange in the embassy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've been with. Uh, I try to, I try to have a Congress with anybody doing like important things, or at least being at like the edge of the things that I care about. You know, speech and, and printing and, and all this stuff. But uh, look, all I can say is that, like, I actually do have a, a deep care for you know the English, the English experience of, of free speech and that tradition, like the, intro to the Age of Reason. And, you know, like the, the rights of man, like all this, this discourse, this matters to me. And like when CNN would come interview me about Patreon, all I would give them, I would give them these quotes, right? And they'd be like, oh my God, how can you want to believe that? But all I was doing was recycling Tom Paine, right? Like I was just giving them like Blackstone and like th- things that were, uh, you know, the, the noble expressions of like English Republicanism <laughs> from, you know, hundreds of years ago. And of course, I see a brief like like I have in Washington State where these state attorney generals are attacking me. And they go, Cody Wilson, is a crazed anarchist. He believes that. And then they quote me. He believes that government should fear the people. Okay, well, that's simply an apocryphal Jefferson quote, right? Like, we're this far from the shore that, like, I can repeat American republicanism uh, and its antecedents and be called a radical in federal court.
0: I thought that last part, that was, like, something that I've always known, but uh, just in that moment, the specific application of a person... Defending the right to free speech in Mm -hmm. court, repeating Thomas Paine, and then being called a radical by our current government just hit me like a ton of bricks. I went, Thomas Jefferson is illegal. Yeah. George Washington is illegal. Mm -hmm. And we now serve under King George. Yeah, pretty much.
4: And we've had for years. Yep. And it's... It's... It's it's one reason why I used to tell people on the older podcast that you know for the Fourth of July, like I said, like, the best thing you do is read the Declaration of Independence. Just read it, yep. just read it, and think of that, and think of it today, and just just look at that for a second. Right. You know, you know, like it's the you know, and there's a lot of things you even look at it like even if you believe in this type of system, a lot of the things are ridiculous. Even today, it's just yeah. ridiculous. Um, because there's, you know, the spans of between someone who lives in Portland, Oregon, versus being ruled by people who, lived in, who live in D.C., thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. What say do those people have over, you know, what you do in Oregon? Right. Or, what do, you know, just the same way people in, in Indiana have, you know, who do these people out, you know, in D.C. or California say what I have to do? I want my freaking straw with my drink. Mm-hmm. Okay?
2: Right.
0: Well, and I think we get hung up on it's hard to understand what's going on with Cody Wilson and why it's important that you should be allowed to print a 3D gun and the the implications of the federal government owning code uh, and owning the the right to regulate or destroy code and code being free speech. I mean, the implications of this are really enormous. Mm Mm-hmm. And we don't understand it. And we spend a lot of time talking about flags being raised and lowered as the, if that's the great moral outrage of our time, whether or not Donald Trump put a flag at half mast. Mm-hmm. No, the fact that the federal government has outlawed Thomas Paine, or that you can't speak freely through code on the internet, mm-hmm. or that Raytheon and, and American bombs are killing toddlers in Yemen, those are the great moral outrages of our time, not whether or not a piece of fabric is hanging at half or full staff.
4: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they want to outlaw math. They're not teaching a great in puppet school, but they'll sure outlaw the best they can. And the thing is, they're going after Cody Wilson because he's one of the loudest and outspoken, and they made it easier for the masses. But any one of you can get on eBay right now, purchase a aluminum CNC machine, and do the exact same thing as a 3D-printed gun, but with metal. The other thing is you can make zip guns people have it's okay for you to make guns for the United States. People have made guns here in the United States all the time. what Ruger and you know Walther and Glock what they're doing in their you know was you know not nothing you can do if you don't have the right machining tools who can- you know capitalism or the free market or the market in general has made these prices uh, made this machining equipment incredibly inexpensive and yes you can purchase this stuff as a home it's more of the government being face to face with this and then a lot of these people understanding think, wow there is no magic between you know creating these weapons there's no magic to it yeah you know it's not like this laptop there's so many different people so many different businesses so many tech to go into this nope this is pretty much uh you know it's an easy, simple tool. You could probably make this all yourself. All it is is a cartridge loaded into the pressure chamber and you get a pin that fires the little primer in the back of it. That's it. Mm. That's what we're doing here. It's not rocket science. Well, it technically kind of is, but no. It's not rocket science.
0: So uh, district judge extends claim to have repealed First Amendment. Uh, the, that was Thomas Knapp's uh, headline. A U.S. judge on Monday extended a ban on the online distribution of 3D-printed gun blueprints. A win for a group of mainly Democratic-led states that said such a publication would violate their right to regulate firearms and endanger their citizens. So this is an update. Uh, Let me reread that. A win for a group of mainly Democratic-led states that said such a publication of these plans would violate their right to regulate firearms. Do you know the Second Amendment by heart? You you shall not regulate a Mm well-armed militia. Um, U.S. Dick Dick Judge uh, Robert Lasnick in Seattle issued the extension of a nationwide injunction blocking a Texas-based group from disseminating files for printing plastic weapons on the internet. LASIK's prior order, issued on July 31st, blocked the release of the blueprints hours before they were set to hit the internet. That temporary ban was set to expire on Tuesday... And the new ban will remain in place until the case is resolved. (laughs) So this is going to go to the Supreme Court and uh, they make it about guns and that's why Cody does it that way uh, because it's outrageous Mm -hmm. and it's easy to persuade people to think one way about something that is dangerous and could fall into the hands of extremists and blah, blah, blah. But that's that's the point. You defend the right of extremists because those are the people that they come for first. I mean, it, you look at the crackdown and conspiracy theorists on the internet. I'm sorry, but when the most powerful people in our government and our media and in our business sphere and our society say, you shouldn't listen to these people that question us, I start to go, hmm, hmm. who are you? The powerful to tell me the little guy that I'm not allowed to question you mm-hmm. or the very existence of nature itself, right the idea that you can't question events or even question facts as as he talked about with Christopher Hitchens, or existence the existence of reality mm-hmm. these are you cannot outlaw outlaw thinking, and what happens when you start to outlaw speech is people have these thoughts. Mm -hmm. And they express those thoughts to try and gain control of their thoughts and understand the context of their thoughts and work these things out. And so if you actually want to correct bad behavior, you let people speak freely and you have conversations with them and you come to uh, an agreement on reality, I guess. And then their mind changes from thinking crazy thoughts like Sandy Hook didn't happen to "Eh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, because of conversations. But if you never allow those conversations to happen, minds never change, behaviors never change. So the as I wrote this weekend for my column on WeAreLibertarians dot the way to solve Alex Jones bad behavior is through open speech. It's not through silencing him or censoring him. All you do is dr- you send people underground and outlaw their thinking. It's you can't prohibit you can't prohibit words and thoughts the same way uh, that you can prohibit. Alcohol. No,
4: no, you, no.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I, that didn't work. No, that didn't work. Oh, they, oh, she's yeah, all right. That went terrible. By the way, idiots. You know, I just I can't take it. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, let's move on to undercover news. The mainstream media has dis- the mainstream media has discovered their profit centers, and that leaves many important issues undercovered. And in undercover news, we bring you information that you actually need to know. And tonight, we're starting with Harry Price. Uh, Harry, I'll hand this over to you in case you want to read your own update, but give us our first news story uh, that you feel that this is important and nobody's talking about it and why.
4: All right, so no love lost between me and Apple, but I just figured that a lot of people should you know, hear about this because I don't really see anyone talking about this. Um, All right, so Apple forces Facebook VPN app out of the iOS store for stealing users' data. I know, shocking, right? Shocking,
0: right? So the VPN app was stealing data. Correct. Okay, uh, and a virtual private network is is uh, explain that in in explain it to idiots like me. A VPN or virtual
4: private network is basically a tunnel that you use to protect your internet traffic to a point. Okay. It's not an end-all, be-all silver bullet that will protect you from everything. It just protects you to the an, end of the VPN.
0: Is it like an ind, indivisibility? It's an invisibility cloak for my internet address
4: to a point to your end point and but then whoever controls that vpn controls all the traffic so conceal the traffic all it does is conceal from that current network that you're currently connecting on to your end point so if you put a vpn here on this network and your end of your tunnel is your um um,
0: don't don't be literal with me is your
4: um uh what?
0: You're you're being very literal because you're trying to you're doing that thing that people who are good with technology do is you're trying to give the fine details of this and explain it. So when I get on this machine here, mm-hmm. when I get on the internet machine, yeah. and I connect to Facebook and YouTube and Google and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody can see my IP address and where I'm located at here at my house. Correct. All right. Now if I were to put a VPN mm-hmm. and log into the internet through the VPN, mm-hmm then all of those other places would see, like, the post office. Like, I have a post office box for We Are Libertarians. Yeah. Because when I send out my email, I have to have my address on there. Mm -hmm. If I register domains, I have to have an address on there. I don't want people to know my address. Anymore, yes. Right. You know, now that we're getting bigger, I need to make sure that there's some layer of privacy. Mm -hmm. So I have a post office box. Mm -hmm. All right. So the VPN is my post office box. So the rest of the world sees the post office box instead of my personal home address. Correct. Okay.
4: Correct. And just like that post office box, if you got someone that doesn't look at, yeah, hide your logs, don't look at your stuff.
0: Hide your kids, hide your wife.
4: It's it's great, but... In this case, but you have to understand, whoever controls that VPN, that's that's the auto off on the coffee maker. Did you not do that? Shout out to uh, Jason Doolittle. If you're
0: going to use the coffee maker, don't have it freak me out in the middle of the show. Do you want me to accidentally leave it on? I was trying to be safe for you. Nah, I don't care about safety. (laughs) I have like 10 extension cords plugged into one extension cord over here.
4: (laughs) All right, where was I? So, um... But you have to understand that whoever you got your VPN through, they control that PO box.
2: Okay. And. Yeah, right. They
4: control it. They see everything that goes. They can see everything that goes in that PO box. So if uh, you've decided to send um, Chris Spangle the. um, Nudes. Send clothes. Clothes. You send them clothing, you know, or T shirts, stuff to this PO box, you know. They would see that as they come, right? You know. So
0: don't buy your illegal drugs, you know.
4: So if you bought like a gummy bear, a special gummy bear from California, and tried to ship it to We Are Libertarians, it would go to that PO box first, right? And they would see that hey, you received a gummy bear from California,
0: right? You know. All right. So, so why is this important? What, what this happened is this, imp- what happens? This is story?
4: important because. Instead of like a lot of PO boxes, they don't care which, which, which what what is coming. They just see that you got something, you received something, and they just shove in your PO box for you. What Facebook was doing with what with their VPN app called what was it Onavu or whatever, whatever it spells O N A V O? They were seeing everything as you were going out and requesting, asking, looking for, and everything that was coming in and collecting that data. And. Were they using it to sell you ads on Facebook? Heck yes Were they using it to do generate different things on you And add and sell your data everywhere? Yes they was and so, they were using. So it's
0: it, kind of like they started their own VPN to do exactly what you get an MP like
4: a VPN to protect yourself from. Right. Yes. So yeah.
0: it's like dummies like me who aren't good at the internet go oh I'll, I trust Facebook I'll use their VPN. Yeah, right. yeah.
4: Which makes me push me like I really need to show people how to make VPNs because this is what the crap that happens to people if you don't create your own. Right. You get your stuff sold off and uh, and this is like the first time it, like someone has done this but this is some of the, also the backdoor stuff because since they bought a company bought an app that does this right and it's a different com- company out of a different. So they're able to save th- and lie at, at dispositions and say like, "No, we do not collect people's information. We do not do this." In fact, they do, but they don't at the same time because this is an Israeli company. That you have I just to had do
0: to. This. I just had to turn Harry down. He's getting passionate. You know, <laughs> nothing gets Harry turned on like uh, VPNs. He just starts screeching all over the place. <laughs> well, like the, uh,
4: and it's crazy that, like, okay. One there's like 33 million people that have this VPN, right? Thirty three million people have downloaded this VPN uh, product okay. from the end because it's still live on Android. You can go to Android and pick this sucker up. You cannot get in on Apple and A one for Apple going after because they have cause Apple. I, no love So wait,
0: for, did Apple kill Facebook's VPN app because they were not they were violating the spirit of the VPN?
4: They were basically violating the spirit of the. Apple terms of service was being the Apple iOS store. Because Apple iOS, their new terms conditions, it says you can only collect information if it's if you need it for the app to function. Mm. Since this went outside the function of the VPN to, to really work, Apple saw it as a violation, and Murr had dis- and talked to them because to, they were going they either can change it or they're going to remove it from the iOS store. So yeah. They weren't going to change it if they were removed from the iOS store. They were asked to leave. Hmm. Yeah, which still is out there. So kudos to Apple for doing this one thing right. Apple's very protective of its users. Apple,
0: uh, Apple, when it comes to security, like when they tried to get into the San Bernardino phone, for instance, from the terrorists, they said, yeah. "We're not going to let you. We're not gonna. We're not going to help you. You can do whatever you want to us. We have a trillion dollars, but we're not going to aid the United States government in unlocking every encrypted phone in the world." Uh, so f off. Uh, they really do take security pretty seriously. It, well, they,
4: it gets, this is going to get complicated. I'm going to keep it light on this one. Um, a- Apple, more or less, um, they don't make their money the same way as Google and Facebook does. Right. Apple doesn't need to sell your information to make money off you. They'll sell you there because they'll sell you a laptop which overheats and breaks all the time, but you'll buy it and with a smile on your face and spend three grand on a
0: MacBook ba- Pro. Bought this in 2013. I've never had one issue with it. Never overheated, never shut down, you're wrong.
4: That's well, a, it's a piece of junk. You can barely do anything. Fake news. Well, you can barely do anything. Oh, I that's don't a, know. That's a glorified it, Chromebook, really. It
0: started an empire. That's what this machine did. This it, machine started an empire. Did it? Yeah, it did. Did it? You ever seen We Are Libertarians? Empire.
4: Did that start the empire, or the Linux codes, the, um, all the servers run that push out the RSS
0: code? Empire. <laughs> 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 All right. Are you, are you done? No. Uh,
4: um so uh, one you're, my wa- patience
0: grows thin one, with you subject. I'd like to apologize <laughs> Thank to Thank you. I the, appreciate the uh, apology. We,
4: to the wheel of parents audience because I have not did the VPN episode of Loki wall yet and I feel <laughs> like crap, you. because especially if any of you guys have used this. but this is one thing I always talk about VPNs is if you're not paying for it you are paying for it in one way or another. Right. I think the only people's like I haven't really checked it out though but I think the only person's VPN that it's probably trustworthy that they give away for sort of free is Pornhub because they'll sell you ads but they're porn ads but they know but they know to keep you private and to keep you on the Pornhub.
0: So I um if I wanted like Ben Shapiro's slinging VPNs now, he's got an advertiser. Can you get us a VPN advertiser? A and B. If you were to buy a VPN or go through a service, who do you use or who do you recommend?
4: None of them. I don't recommend any of them. They're all junk and or. Everyone I've ever looked at, I've lost faith See, in. Because this grew-
0: is why people hate technology people. This is why everyone in your office hates your guts, and I know it to be true. I've not been there, but if I ask them, <laughs> you come in here every week and tell me a story, and I go, everyone there hates working with Harry because he's annoying. This is the terrible solution. We need to do this thing that's 800 steps more complicated, but... It, and it has the the uh, user interface of a GeoCities website, but, and it, but it's free, and it might not work the right way. But so if I want to buy a VPN, where do I buy a VPN? How do I do a VPN? Uh, okay. And this better be easy and quick. I don't have one. All right. I do not have one. We'll that. wait for that I, little key wall I will there. tell you this, Okay. <laughs>
4: before even going down this road of the vpn you have to understand what are your goals first what's your goal who do you want to who what are you masking from what are you protecting what do you want once you have decided that then you can decide where you want to go like if you want to mask and hide yourself from three letter agencies there's a lot of steps that you can have to do and the vpn is not going to be your silver bullet it's like it's the outer shell of the um, of your security stack to hide behind a three letter agency, it's not the end all be all. If you just want to protect your network information between from a network local network that you do not trust, to because you're worried about getting man in the middle, okay, maybe you can go with one of these, right? But you have just or, um, but they still sell your information. You Got to understand that. Or if you're worried about your own ISP selling your information, or do you are you worried about just getting around content filter from geolocation content filtering? There's stuff like that. Are you protecting your from people just finding you? There's stuff like that. Well, Harry,
0: well. I lost the will to live thirty seconds ago. <laughs> you
4: have to determine what your goal is first, and then what you're <laughs> protecting. Personally, honestly, I like to. I run a my own open VPN server on a VPS out there in a cloud and I take it down and I move it around places. So...
0: See? I told you. No... (laughs) I got
4: it written down into a nice easy script. It is very easy to run. Um... You can easily get it loaded up in second. I'm not going to just give you the script and run because that turns the entire wall audience into script kitties. I will teach you how to what do it. What the hell is a script kitty? It was just someone who just takes scripts and just loads scripts. There's nothing wrong with being a script kitty. Script kitties <laughs> turn into full-on coders once they understand how to read code, learn code, adapt, code, code. For, adapt code for them. Everyone starts as a script kitty. I was a script kitty when I was a young kid, and, but you know, you eventually learn how yeah, to code. I was a, you,
0: I was a script kitty when you, you learn how to person. code.
4: You learn how to do. You also can learn the dangers of being a script kitty because you can just run code in and it breaks stuff. Okay, so uh, that's
0: sort of basically how it was running my first website. Yeah, yeah. Like that, when I built my first WordPress website, you had to build the database. You had to build every aspect of a WordPress site in two thousand seven. And now, you know, it, now WordPress is one, you know, one push click. a button and Script, it's all yeah. done for you. I build
4: websites. Script Kitty. Script Kitty. Script Kitty. Well, see, it's even like that. Like, people like the, like, a um, lot of... HTML website builders, so we should, uh, a lot of them don't keep up to really good validated code and stuff like that, so yeah. it really takes someone who actually knows what they're doing to go inside to make sure your code, one, validates or just works correctly. A lot of people have issues with their website be- that they built on their own, like in Dreamweather or some other stuff like that, but you know, if you just hired someone that knows how to make websites and understands the code, website will load faster you'll get better seo ranking just for have someone go in there like listen you have way too many tags or you don't have enough meta tags in this thing you know what i can i'd simply just throw this tag in here and put language just sell everyone just tell the browser that put in this thing is that this thing is in the english website that alone like you know which uh, will help you get google will up you on a google rank just be so the the spider thing that finds your site, understand that thing is English. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we got to move on because we're running out of time. But um, no, it's fine. Uh, anything else you'd like to say about script kitties and VPNs and don't be a script kitty? Yeah. Uh, you can
4: be a script kitty. I just don't want i rather. Ju- <laughs> it's okay to it's start. as a learn
0: point. It's
4: more of a, I'd rather show, go through the science of it and talk about it. And, like, this is what it is. This is how you set it up. This is how we're going to go over this whole code. You understand what we're building. You understand why it does the thing it does. And then I'm going to give you the script, and you're like, oh, boop, boop, boop. Right. And then when it breaks, or you want to go in and you want to edit and change it and make the code your own, you know, just like um, uh, like uh, I think I found this one person. I got this one person script, which, uh, uh, and then we I, I forked it for myself. You forked it? Yeah, I forked it. I forked it good. Oh, shit. I forked you, it with my own settings. You forked it?
0: So I forked oh, crap Oh, I out can't of it. believe you forked it. I forked it. <laughs> All right. Moving on in undercover news, Senator Rand Paul has endorsed Gary Johnson for Senate in New Mexico. Uh, the, he endorsed a libertarian candidate. I explain. I'm not going to get into detail on this because today's Chris Spangle show... Was all about that episode nine of the Chris Spengel Show. So go find that at WeAreLibertarians. dot or wherever podcasts are downloaded.
4: So we got Rand and uh, so got Rand and Ron. Since he endorsed the Libertarian Karen, who's actually voting percentage does that push him over
2: yet?
0: Oh, I've always I've always been more of a Rand fan than a Ron fan. Ron Ron was the person who brought me into the in, into the OG reality. But like in terms of Presentation and Mm -hmm. uh, like Ron to me just has sort of a boomer approach to he's a boomer libertarian and Mm -hmm. you know he's just a he is in messaging I think he's he's better and he's more hopeful but he also messages to libertarians whereas I think Rand is much more uh, effective Mm -hmm. so Ron wins on capturing hearts and minds and messaging but Rand is more effective and actually implementing libertarian ideas in federal government ish i mean as effective as a libertarian could be possibly but uh so i i've i like rand and i think he's kind of a troll and uh just like just like daddy yeah. daddy was a troll too
4: where's clayton and his rand boner when you need
0: him? i know so but this is very exciting i i explain all the reasons why this is a really really a good sign for the libertarian movement and why this is an important thing for all of us and why Mick Rich should drop out, because Mick Rich, the Republican, is stealing our votes. Mm -hmm. And he's, Mm -hmm. don't waste your vote on a Republican if you live in New Mexico. So, uh, but very, very exciting that uh, Rand Paul endorsed Libertarian Gary Johnson. Uh, The Washington Times, and and this is amazing, David Hogg uh, from the Parkland shooting led a victim disarmament mob, and they demanded $5 million in bribery, in bribes from Smith & Wesson. So basically... There is this march that he is a part of. Uh, Here, I'll read this. Student uh, gun control advocates and one of the survivors of the Parkland, Florida, school shooting. David Hogg was on his bike when the shooting happened and not anywhere near the school. One of the survivors of the Parkland, Florida, school shooting are finishing a 50-mile, four-day march in Massachusetts to the headquarters of a gun manufacturer, Smith & Wesson. The group is gathering outside the company headquarters Sunday in Springfield. The marchers have condemned Smith and Wesson for making the rifle used in the February mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. The group wants the company to donate five million to gun control, uh, to gun violence research. So we're going to bring our mob to your headquarters and demand that you give us five million dollars and we'll go away fund fund this research that proves that you should be out of business or we're going to keep doing this david hogg is uh th- he's thinks he's way more important than he really is. This is why children should not be given positions of authority because it goes to their little pea brains and it swells it up to the size of a l- l- legume brain. <laughs> It just
4: uh, so what uh, Smith & is now the new firewall. They cannot give in.
0: That's exactly right. Uh, sleeper case. Could Torpedo Mueller report? M- Mueller. I, c- I say Mueller, and uh, apparently it's Mueller, uh, according to uh, our friend J. Mark English. A little notice court case stemming from the apparent murder of a Columbia professor six decades ago could keep Robert Mueller from publishing any information about the Trump campaign in Russia that he obtains through a Washington grand jury. The substance of the case is entirely unrelated to the investigation that Mueller Mueller is undertaking. Uh, But if a Washington appeals court set to hear the murder-related case next month sides with the Justice Department and rules that judges don't have the freedom to release grand jury information that is usually kept secret, it could throw a monkey wrench into any plans Mueller has to issue a public report on his probe's findings. Lawyers follow lawyers following the issue said so this is apparently like this columbia professor got murdered and it was a movie somebody they made a movie out of it Mm -hmm. it's like a real famous case and so the, the grand jury is usually kept secret unless a judge says okay this can be released and they're trying to keep this stuff secret and if it does then the stuff that was in all the grand jury indictments in the mueller investigation can't be used so the whole point of the entire investigation was to release public findings like the star report yeah um, if you remember that when we were kids, that that can't happen here. So <laughs> it could be uh, all for nothing. Kansas officials let residents drink contaminated water. The state allowed hundreds of residents in two Wichita area neighborhoods to drink contaminated water for years without telling them, despite warning signs of contamination close to water wells used for drinking, washing, and bathing, the Wichita Eagle reports. In 2011, the state discovered that dry cleaning chemicals had contaminated groundwater in Hayesville. The Kansas Department of Health and Environment didn't act for more than six years. Oh wow! Yikes! Oh wow! Thoughts and prayers out to everybody in Wichita. Uh, So, uh, for our mailbag segment, this comes from our new researcher Hody Johns. He writes, "You already get a lot of interaction with me every day, and I would like to avoid pestering you. Not possible, Hody." Uh, "'But I can't seem to do it. "'On the Chris Spangle Show, the challenge is out there "'that you will continue the podcast "'only if it gets the support and viewership, "'which makes sense. "'I will say that the Chris Spangle Show "'incorporates what I liked best from Wall "'and that you cover a small news story or event in detail. "'It's up to the standards I expect from We Are Libertarians "'in both insight and documentation.' You already know I like your material, but you should know that this is very well done. I could fill my day with libertarian podcasts, but I'm an active guy and I can only choose a couple. I've listened to all of the big dogs, but the best quality is We Are Libertarians and Now the Chris Spangle Show." I know you sacrifice a great deal for the quality and the quantity. Here's hoping this can become your full-time gig. Thank you. Uh, I like the new direction and organization. When I started listening about a year ago, I found myself thinking that you guys had great points, but it was a bit chaotic and scatterbrained. The focus will be good for the new listener, though I'll admit there's a charm there with the various personalities that I couldn't appreciate before. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Hody. Yeah, it's always a challenge because you you, you want to balance like the personalities with the information and you only have so long you know and and so as fun some as some of those shows were mm-hmm. the the reality is that people really are tuning in to learn stuff yeah you know and and it's less about us being funny and more about you guys learning something and so so we do less of the personality stuff we do a little more we're we're gonna do more in the bonus uh, stuff mm-hmm um, we're bringing back some of the Thursday shows. Like I thought the Thursday show with Tad and Chris Galt last, last week was fun. It's really funny. You know, Harry and I have our arguments here, but, uh, so yeah, there's, there's always a balance between like the fun and the, the personalities that are involved in this. And then also the, the actual like learning and the, and the information. So just trying to find our voice and, and kind of you know, last year was a loop, and it, and it threw a wrench in all the plans that we had for the mm-hmm. better. I think, mm-hmm. and um, just trying to 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 get to where we need to go. So, um, Harry, any final thoughts for this episode?
4: Well, um, let's see. Final thoughts. One thing I do like, which I did respect from each article and everything that we go through on each if the show, is just, and when I try to talk to people, people are like, oh, you run a, you, you co-host on a political podcast, you know, you must know all this stuff. And <laughs> they and they ask me questions and stuff like that. And I tell them, like, what well, the Roop thing is like, which you, most people should pick up or pick up from things is just the nuance from the We Are Libertarians podcast. The understanding that two things can be equally right and wrong at the same time. And it's, and just like every one of this, like I, one, even with the um, VPN thing from Facebook, yeah, right? That VPN probably did protect someone from like a Wi Fi pineapple sitting on the network and hitting people with man in the middle, of the middle of the attack. It did do that. It would do that. You know, it would protect you from your Wi Fi signal. Granted, they were collecting information on you, but hey, if you're already on Facebook, they already collect information about you. Right. So, you know, did it do one good thing? Heck yeah, it did some good things, though. But at the end of the day, it's still doing what Facebook does. Yep. Just like most VPN thing does It was bad and good at the all Both at the same time The other thing I just want to give a shout out to um, What's this website called again um, It's uh, if A huge tech like my, myself um, um, Podcast I listen to Sovereign Tech likes to give a shout out And I'm going to give a shout out to um, This website called Or uh, Hey AKA. hey
0: hey this is a family podcast <laughs>
4: AKA fuck DRM because DRM <laughs> is anti-consumer, anti um it's anti-business. So the website is called fckdrm.com, AKA fuck DRM. It is an awful thing about uh digital rights digital management, rights management yeah. and it, as it gets into books, video games, movies, and all this different type of tech, it bogs down things like that. And just like Cody Wilson, like that. Can you imagine if like if they put DRM inside of like those those files? Yeah. Instantly, the three D printer gun can would go up and go down from from on Cody Wilson's whims. So everything they just talked about, like, boom, he can just end it in a second right. because he owns the, the RM tools for it. It's like
0: buying a book from Amazon. Like, I've bought so many Apple apps for my phone, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, you go and look through the apps that are not on your phone, and you go and look at the stuff that was, like, that you purchased for 5 bucks 10 years ago. Yep. And you're like, okay, well, then give me my money back if I can't use the app anymore. And I get right. developers not supporting it, but, like, Amazon can just disappear a book from your library if mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
4: Yep. Or change it because an author decided to update it. Right, I updated. I omitted that chapter when I went on that racist rant. But right. no, 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 no. You know, it was the Yeah, same. I want my racist rant. Put that in. There. Well, it's also a thing like that. Can you imagine if you got a digital copy of the original Star Wars, the DRM in it, and all of a sudden you went to go watch it again, and guess what? <laughs> you know, Han didn't shoot first this time. That's your copy <laughs> that you bought. You bought a copy, and Han shot first. But hey, he's George Lucas had DRM on, it and it took that scene out. Da, 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 da. Or, you know, you know, uh Lucasfilms went down and the its um, authentication server went over and they didn't transfer any of that to Disney. So all those old movies can't watch because Lucasfilm is done and because it's now Disney and Disney is not gonna honor your, your authentication for those old DRM. Please buy new.
0: All right. Well that is enough of this dirty, show. Dirty stuff. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening and uh, I just want to say, hey, Uh, Thank you for uh, giving us your attention, and I know that you have a lot of of choices out there, and uh, we hope that we, in exchange for your attention, give you uh, those little moments where you can look back and say, you know, my thinking was really challenged and changed while listening to that, Uh, so thanks for listening, Uh, and we will see you in just a few days. I'll see you tomorrow on The Chris Spangle Show. We'll uh, see you here Thursday with We Are Libertarians, talking to Todd Moore. He's an app developer. Uh, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about uh, all kinds of different stuff, but uh, you know overcast removing people, his personal journey with and, and fights with the government stealing his money. so all kinds of cool stuff. And maybe Rob Kendall, I don't know we'll see who's here yeah. on Thursday. I, I always promote this stuff and it changes like that's the problem with having guests is mm-hmm. that it changes all the time. So yeah. uh, th- tune in Thursday and we'll see you then and until then have a nice mm-hmm. night and we'll see you later.